Well, let's just, I don't know, record a stupid podcast. Welcome to the Annie Gamers Podcast. This is episode number 54, recorded on Monday, January 18th, 2016. My name is Evan Minto. I am the editor-in-chief of AnnieGamers.com and the host of this podcast. And my co-host is Mr. David Estrella. Also known as QX20XX on Twitter.com. Frequent contributor to AnnieGamers. So this episode will probably be a little bit short because, A, I don't have a ton to talk about, but I promise people an episode every two weeks, so I'm doing my best. And uh, B, I actually have to go volunteer for uh, for Martin Luther King Day of Service because I decided to go volunteer, which is the thing that people should do. Unlike the rest of us anti-gamers, Evan actually has a heart, and he will actually go out of his way to help out his community. I, I, I'm trying. I don't usually make <laughs> yeah. enough time for it, but yeah. I feel like uh, you do this on purpose to make the rest of us look bad. That's exactly what it is. But yeah, we're going to talk about some games and some anime, and we're also going to actually answer questions this time, because we yeah, have it time. on the notes, and we are going to remember to do this. Hey, hey, you got to credit me for actually reminding you. Yeah, yeah, thanks. <laughs> so, I probably shouldn't jump right into talking about more Fallout New Vegas, which is what I've been playing. And you have another thing that's also more of more. what you already more talked about. So let's talk about something new. David, you're watching Dagashi Kashi? Yes, I am actually watching a new anime on possibly like one of the worst seasons in recent memory. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, there's not a lot to be excited about. There's some good shows, like one, two. It's, it's two one of those shows. seasons where it's one of those seasons where I get the feeling people are being very much forgiving that there's kind of nothing out to watch. So we're pretty much just grabbing onto anything and trying to wait it out until spring. <laughs> wait till the thaw. Yeah essentially so the one that i've latched onto which i will admit is very fluffy trashy easy to consume garbage uh, it's it's dagashi kashi it's trashy dagashi kashi trashy dagashi kashi yeah that's like that's got a nice ring to it okay so this show it's about a young man who wants to become a manga artist but his dad won't let him because his dad runs a candy shop out in the middle of nowhere, and his intentions is for his son to inherit the shop. However, this girl from this large candy manufacturer drops into his life and requests that his dad, who is apparently some sort of legendary creator of candy, wants to recruit his dad to improve uh, business, but he refuses until his son decides to inherit the shop and abandon his dreams of becoming a manga artist. So the setup is basically lots of shenanigans involving this girl trying to convince this kid about the wonders of candy. And it serves as a lot of easy tie-ins to real-life candy in Japan. Oh, yeah, there we go. So, so yeah, you've got that. Um, I think the major draw of this show because it doesn't really have too much going for it, is the decidedly unique character designs. Have you seen these character designs, Evan? Yeah, the girl looks super weird and kind of disturbing. Everybody everybody looks like they're on drugs Yeah, <laughs> in this show. 
But for whatever reason, it's super entrancing just to watch any of these characters react to things and do things. It's really not a whole lot going on. It's like not even one like those super, you know, like really overly sexual shows where you know it's just everything is just sex 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 in your face that's what i kind of expected it might be because i was like oh is the candy thing kind of gonna be you know a lot of the jokes are pretty lowbrow but even so like even with such an easy setup just because i think it's it's all in the eyes of these characters so i haven't really seen anything just it's like nothing really out of the ordinary, but there's just something about the pupils and the way they sit in the face. It's like, you know, if this show was actually doing something worthwhile, it would have been like this sort of uh, like a like a clanad moment or a canon moment or a Haruhi moment where it's just like this character design is really what this show is going to stand out for in memory, like mm-hmm. what it, it's doing. But it's not, basically. This show is going to be forgotten next season. Oh, it's gonna, yeah, it's going to be forgotten next season. But, I mean, I think it's kind of unfair just because the character designs are so... I mean, <laughs> I don't want to say that they're good, but they're just there's something about them that I want to see whatever they're going to be doing, or like however else they're going to be drawn. Right, right. Just because they're so unusual. Yeah, well, it's like, like, not even, like, unusual, but it's just the expressions that they managed to get. And even then, like, with two episodes out of the way, I don't think... Like, their highest, their most ambitious creative endeavor so far has been an extended parody of uh, original Gundam. All right, I can, I can get into that. Like, it goes on. Like, like they, <laughs> they do, like, a digest version of pretty much all of original Gundam, but it's all, all the characters are swapped in for Japanese candies. And oh, it's just okay, it's such okay. a loose connection that they make to it. Um but really it was just it was <laughs> like I, I laughed just because it was an easy joke to make, but it was really more effort than I expected out of this show, and I'm pretty sure that all of the uh creative supply has been exhausted with the two uh, two episodes that have been done. But who knows? I mean I'm just gonna I'm gonna stick around because there's really nothing else like it out right now. I mean it's not it's pretty much just like i said you know it's harmless fluffy you know something to watch week to week to remind me that there is anime airing in winter and it's not just a barren wasteland out here (laughs) yeah there's other stuff i think that's worth watching that i've i've been watching i don't know how much i want to talk about them right now but i've been watching erased which is pretty good uh, but it's sort of the new perfect insider in that it seems really good, but you never know. It yeah. could totally be bad. Is it uh, animation backwards doing this thing? I actually am not sure. I think it's not Noitamina, but I could be wrong. It's A1 Pictures animating, and it's uh, it's based on a manga. It's about a guy who basically has the power to go back in time and stop bad things from happening. Except it's mm. it's more like a, it's involuntary, right? It's not a it's mm. more like a reflex than it is a, a power he deliberately uses. And the the twist is that he gets pulled back in time. Like he typically goes back by a couple minutes, and then a really bad thing happens, and he gets pulled all the way back to when he's in fifth grade. And there's an abduction that happened, and like this girl died, and so he's like, I'm gonna save her. And in doing so, he's also going to try to basically mm. save save another uh, person. In the future, do you know what do you know what the Japanese title for this thing is? Uh, you've probably heard of the Japanese one, yeah. Uh, it's Boku 
like uh, Inai Machi, something like that. Yeah, that, you a know, town you where know only I am, Bokudake Inai Machi. Yeah, something like you that. You know, you know what? Because I needed, I like, I needed a transition here, but during my trip to Japan last week. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a, there's the transition. There it is. Um, there's. Uh, there was actually ads in the uh, in the movie theater for a live action adaptation for this thing, featuring okay. the guy who is in every live action adaptation of anything anime or manga, aka the guy from Death Note and Battle Royale. Oh, okay, okay. And I guess like you know, I, just from that live action trailer, I didn't get anything remarkable out of it. But a lot of the commentary that I'm hearing about the anime is that it's really well produced and there's a lot of attention to detail or something it's like that. It's directed by the Sword Art Online director, which had That's me incredible. worried. <laughs> but, but man, it's like the direction in it is actually some of the most impressive stuff compared to like Kambe's directing and The Perfect Insider, which ranges from like surprisingly good to unsurprisingly bad. Uh, not even like bad like, it's just like uninspired just, it's just completely lame a lot of times right like he yeah. inspires no drama in scenes that deserve drama in that show it's just to uh, capture the the moment like the scene that's it that's all they t- try to go out for I, again if we're compared to perfect insider like actually uses lighting in an interesting way and you know has different has like a better mm. more varied color scheme it's got a kind of interesting setting because it takes place in this snowy town so it uses that to some effect the main girl and it's got like a red uh kind of red color scheme contrasts with all the the snow and everything and apparently the voice actor for the dude is a film actor not a voice actor so he, that's part of why he sounds not particularly anime which is kind of cool i didn't realize that but it's just mainly mm-hmm. it the first and second episode especially the second episode just does such a good job of kind of pulling you along through the the drama of it that it's it's like super tense the entire time even like the little you know interactions with his fifth grade friends feel like there's a lot of like you know importance to them but even so you know we still it's it's a it's a situation we found ourselves in time and time again where the beginning is so good and so promising does it will it actually hold up yeah 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 so that's that's a show that i'm watching that i think is pretty good i'm looking forward to seeing more and i'm i watched the first episode of the new lupon uh but it's the rest of it is is currently simulcasting on crunchyroll so i I'm going to try to catch up with that and then then keep up with it. Uh, but the first episode was really, really good. Blue Jacket, Lupin the Third. I don't know if you've watched that yet. Yeah, the new one, 2015? Mm, not yet. How much of it? How much of it is out there? Because it's not like... Um, it's like 15 episodes. Uh, so it's going to be like a long running sort of thing, right? I'm not sure exactly. At least 26 yeah, I don't know how easy it would be for me to jump in on that compared to like uh, Mina Fujiko. Uh, it, I, I think it's pretty. I think it's more like a classic loop on TV series compared to Fujiko. Fujiko is harder to, uh, to jump in the middle, right? But like classic Lupin is pretty monster of the week, kind of like, oh, Lupin's gonna steal X this episode. Yeah, I don't know how easy. <laughs> Actually, I think uh, we'd have reverse idea of, of what's easier to jump into. <laughs> so I like the uh, I like the Lupin where it has uh, some sort of narrative that begins and ends, rather than this thing that just spirals out into. Well, we've run out of ideas, or we've run out of allotted airing slots. Oh, I mean that's that's not what I mean by by saying that. I mean that literally, like the old Lupin series are just. It's not that they run out of ideas. It's that the the frame of Lupin is just he steals a new thing every week. 
It's just a, a new adventure. It's episodic. So like Fujiko is a little you different. You might have to like force me to watch. You okay. might have to force me to watch an episode. <laughs> I don't know. It it's just it's it's a lot of fun. It's not from any of the same staff or most of the same staff as the the Fujiko one. Uh, I don't think. I, don't, I but it does kind of it has a couple similarities just in terms of the use of like the heavy like the the style of line art and stuff. But I think part of that is just inspired by old Lupin more so than than Sayo Yamamoto's Fujiko series. I've also, I mean, I've been playing more Fallout New Vegas. I don't know how much more I have to say about it. I'm getting a little bored with it. <laughs> I actually got to Vegas and then I was like, this is boring walking around a broken down city that's like, it's like Las Vegas, but it's tiny and the buildings are all like smashed up. It's, it's like the real life Vegas before it got smashed up. What? <laughs> Vegas isn't very interesting, man. Oh, I don't know. I've never been to Vegas. <laughs> Whether it's Fallout version or like in real life version, Vegas, it's not uh, terribly exciting. But it was interesting I that mean, I, was, I got to Vegas and everybody's like, once you get to Vegas, this game will get interesting. And I was like, cool. And I got there and I was like, all right, how do I get out of here? I just want to go back to the desert. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's the point, I guess. But it's it, I can definitely feel myself getting bored with it. I want to try to see the story through to the end. But I'm looking forward to getting back to the other games that I was playing. Oh, that's a, that's going to be a concern for me because what's going to happen when you get to Fallout, whatever comes after New Vegas, and then it's you get four. bored with that? Well, yeah, but I'm I'm not going straight to Fallout Four. I'm going to go back to playing uh, the 2013 Tomb Raider game and the uh, Shadow of Mordor, which I have sitting by my yeah, PS4. See. See, you gotta you gotta break it up. You gotta excite us. Yeah, you can't you I, can't I mean, I come into should. something to say, you know, ah, uh, I forced myself into playing some more Fallout, guys. <laughs> Boy, does that game bore the crap out I'm of me? I'm trying to I'm trying to like complete it. You know, I don't want to I don't want to <laughs> just leave it there and move on and play another game. And, uh, you should feel free to just move on. You know, I mean. <laughs> most i think most anybody that plays games has more games that they just own and never intend to complete than actually have completed it's just so easy to buy the things you know yeah anyway we'll see maybe next time i'll have given up on new vegas what are you playing right now (laughs) oh well i haven't given up on final fantasy 6 yet and i think for good reason i'm getting really into it the i think the ongoing theme right now with my habits and games is just you know i feel really comfortable being in these worlds or whatever like there's just the the sense where like i start playing it and i'm i'm wrapping myself up in my memories of what uh games were like a few years ago like not like cuz i was definitely not conscious or really having any sort of uh important opinions about things when final fantasy 6 came out but it definitely puts me in a space of mind where, you know, not everything was terrible and I didn't completely abandon my dreams of becoming a game <laughs> oh <my> designer. <laughs> this is like um, a weird nostalgia thing. Okay. Uh, and it's, I wouldn't even really say like a weird nostalgia thing. It's more of like um, the reason why I think I picked up Final Fantasy VI in particular, just because I was familiar, familiar with it to an extent. And it's also just a way of me trying to get back into games as something that I don't immediately just like break out in hives whenever I come into contact with them. I'm like, I'm trying to warm myself back up. So I picked this thing that I'm kind of familiar with, kind of forgotten everything about it. 
it's like the burnout conversation we had right like yeah yeah you know it's like revisit it's like that. stuff I'm, that you I'm like the recovery yeah yeah, I'm yeah. In video game rehab <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah like i think uh it's just something about squaresoft rpgs in particular where it's not like final fantasy to me has never seemed like the kind of thing that's had one cohesive idea behind it it's been just this smattering of different ideas some of them work better than others and even if like certain sections kind of suck you just know like you finish this thing and then the next thing is something completely different that's almost tied in in no way with the aesthetic of what came before it um and especially with final fantasy 6 which like really just bounces around between like okay we're doing star wars now okay now we're doing some uh river rafting and it just it follows so many different ideas that i feel like i can never really get bored and i reach a certain point of comfort in a certain zone where i feel like it ends too soon and i'm just i'm out of there and i can just grab onto that memory and just hold it with me i think that's why final fantasy 6 is just so well loved just because there's so so much in it and it's not it's not like uh final fantasy 7 which was trying to like just push all these boundaries with the uh with the hardware like final fantasy 6 they're pretty comfortable with where mm. they are it's not even like the most beautiful looking game but just what, what they right it's, do it's with late it, in the super nintendo's life cycle right it's late, but there are certain games that definitely, I think, look a lot better. Uh, Final Fantasy VI has a lot of like just brown in it mm. and just a lot of natural, earthy environments, which aren't... I hate all these brown games. Ugh. Yeah, but it's like, it's uh, it's no. Super Nintendo brown, so it's like... <laughs> I know, I know. It gets, it gets a certain pass. Um, but not, yeah, not, they're definitely... Not Xbox brown. Not Xbox brown, which some people are probably going to start to feel really comfortable in. You know, that's the kind of that's like the kind of brown that people will call home in a few years. Right. <laughs> Remember when games were like all really brown and gray and ugly looking? Yeah, those were the days. <laughs> oh, the days of Unreal Engine three. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a certain sweaty sheen on all the rocks. That's right. The rocks Man, actually I, sweat. People are going to actually be like nostalgic about that. And that's the thing that everybody complained about at the time. But it's going to be like, <laughs> oh, those games were great. Yeah. So, you know, whatever. You know, like Final Fantasy VI, I mean, I can call it to a certain uh, extent uh, familiar territory. You know, whatever brown, shade of brown you want to call home, go ahead. <laughs> that makes you feel good. You know, that, that's on you. All right. I just remembered something completely unrelated to that other than uh, just just thinking about, you know, think about games and gamers. I'm going to send it to you. You can read that URL. Uh, I want you to tell everybody what that URL is that I just sent you. <laughs> <laughs> tell, tell the folks um, at home. Hashtag Gamergate sings. <laughs> uh, it's uh, such classic <laughs> hits as misogyny. Gamers are dead. We do it for free. A non-soliloquy. You gave us Add no other way. Shill alive. Oh, that's good. That's good. That's good right there. Uh, the Gamergate meeting song. Do you hear the gamers <laughs> sing? Internet pie. It's eight minutes and ten seconds long. Internet pie. Wow. The games, they're not changing. <laughs> That's the best one. That's my favorite one on the whole list. Uh, you gotta get to the bottom. The last song's really good. Gamer's gonna cut you down. The hero of gaming. It ends now. Douchebags. Do you hear the gamers sing a reprise? <laughs> 
A few announced from Gamergate make satirical music, some of which measures up to music by V. Some. Oh wow, this came out very recent, so Gamergate is not actually dead, as has been presumed. Uh, no, I mean everybody knew they're they're still alive. This was not still a triumph. Still alive. <laughs> I'm making a note here. Not a huge success. <laughs> oh. Uh, yeah, that that's um uh, that's I just I I love the whole idea that they're just like crooning into a microphone and no one's listening. It's like the perfect metaphor for a gamer game. They're like, I'm going to sing about how sad we are, about how oppressed we are for being gamers. Anyway, I hope there's no Gamergate listeners who are going to send us an angry email about how hashtag not all Gamergaters <laughs> are whatever. And you know, after I was saying such nice things about video games, you have to go and show me this. That's right. Yeah, it's just to scare <laughs> just you back up, into your hole. Turn remember, David. Progress. Remember what gamers are really like. <laughs> what you could truly become. <laughs> Hashtag not, not all gamers. Actually, it's, I mean, it's it's not all gamers, obviously. <laughs> or not all people who play games, but yeah. Uh, but this is what you could become if you get back into video games. You might become a gamer gator. God forbid. <laughs> anyway. I see something else on the list that I want to talk about. Probably the last thing, because I just remembered I do have something vaguely to talk about in here. Uh, you're watching JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part One again. I'm I'm rewatching. Well, I just finished Part One, so now I'm going into Battle Tendency. So so I just read the first two hardcover volumes because the Viz did that really awesome release of it of uh, of Phantom Blood, the mm. manga. So I was sort of having a little bit of, you know, kind of going back to that because I really mm. liked, uh, a, a lot of people really liked that first season of JoJo's, right? Uh, and, I, I, you know, a lot of people hate on on Phantom Blood, but I like Phantom Blood a lot. And wrongfully, yeah, I think they wrongfully hate on it because Phantom Blood is really, it's really neat for what it does. You kind of have to know what um, Araki does with the rest of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure to like really feel the impact of a lot of what's going on in that uh, part one. Because it, it sounded well, I mean like... It plays out really like just jank, and it's like everybody's either like really good or really evil, and there's really no balance. It's just there's like these two sides. Well, I mean, the appeal of Phantom Blood for me is it's like it's super dumb. It's super but it's dumb. Like it, it kind of doesn't know it. Whereas Part Two, kind of, you know, he's he's owning up, and he's like, all right, this is a comedy. There's jokes in here. Like here's a bunch of silliness, right? And I think the thing I like the most about part one is just that it's like, I he, I think he gets, I think Araki gets that it's a joke, but he he's not letting on about it in part one. No. He's playing the entire <laughs> thing completely straight. <laughs> yeah, and it's just got such a good heart to it too uh, for, for part one. And the adaptation is just, it's so good. I, I feel like all the, yeah. uh, I, I feel properly excited in my blood runs hot whenever i watch uh jojo well that opening helps right yeah that opening really sets the uh sets the atmosphere like, Joe, for joe <laughs> the end of the opening is like the best when he does the punch mm. you know it's good when it's an opening where they just yell the name of the show at the end <laughs> yeah the rest of the lyrics they just they're basically just saying this is the plot of the show <laughs> this is the story Excellent. of jojo <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I Speedwagon is so good though. Oh. <laughs> like, there's no character in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure who 
has ever been as good as Speedwagon, at least in anything that I've seen. He's just... Yeah, just, just as an idea, he fits perfectly in there. I, 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 there's so many scenes in the manga where, and it, I guess it's in the anime too, and I just, you know, it's been a little while, but like where he's talking to himself and he's just narrating exactly what's happening. Like, <laughs> it's like he looks at, he, he walks in when like Arina is nursing um, Jonathan back to health and he's like, her hands, her hands are bleeding because they have become so, so like, uh, what is it? Like waterlogged. That must mean that she's been rinsing those rags for days. Oh, wow. She must truly care for him. <laughs> like he's talking to no one. He's just standing in a hallway. Right. And it's not even like presented as if it's it's like, you know, a thought bubble. It's like he's literally he is saying it. He, yeah, he's just, he's the kind of guy who just can't keep a thought in his head. He's got to say everything out loud, and he just he fits so perfectly in the stupid world of of JoJo, especially in part one, where it's still kind of it's still kind of serious, but you just know it's so stupid, and he's narrating yeah. all the stupidity, so it just compounds into this really dense, idiotic object. I had also totally forgotten about the fight where it's uh, with like Zapelli and Dio. The first time that they fight where like they've they've already their hands are already touching or something. And then Jojo or like Dio's about to punch him or something. And Jojo jumps in and puts his hand in between them. But he's like in midair and they're talking before he's even like landed his feet on the ground. (laughs) And their three hands are just like connected at the center. And it's like they just keep going in the manga for like five pages. and His feet have still not come down in the anime. I think they just fall down really slowly. (laughs) <laughs> yeah there's that really good scene in part two yeah where they're like they're he's sliding down in the snow and he's like it'll take me five seconds to reach the bottom and it takes five minutes <laughs> <laughs> uh it's such a it's like really hard to describe it's something where you just either get it or don't right i've tried to sell people on it and they're just like i think this show is bad and it's like well, you, you just don't get it yeah well you know the problem is i think part three didn't get it or at least yeah. the approach that they went for in adapting uh, part three didn't really get why season one was so exciting and good. And like, I could go back into it week, week by week and just follow along part three. Yeah. I don't know if I'll rewatch part three. I'll yeah, just, I'll take the memories of that last battle with Dio with me. The and, fight, uh, yeah. The, the fight at the end is the part that really gets back to what it should be. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's do some uh, let's do some listener questions. We got an email question from Isaac Valdez, who says, "Do you guys dig the Silent Hill franchise? If so, were you anticipating Silent Hills?" I can tell you, I have never played a Silent Hill game. I don't really know much about them. <laughs> David, however, well, meanwhile, on the other hand, I you know Silent Hill is one of those things that is interesting to come back to from time to time and just think about like here is this japanese made game where a lot of the concepts of horror and the environments are very western and it, i mean a lot of it's clearly taken is from uh, david lynch's twin peaks and you know, just generally like the whole mm. lynchian idea of you know what's horrifying um but just the way it translated into a game and just all these things that don't really work with the actual gameplay but how it doesn't hinder any of the experience silent hill is something that you go into just primarily i think for the atmosphere 
just to take in that uh, that environment that they crafted. And I played. I first played Silent Hill. Um, I think when I was like a like in my late teens, and for a while it was just it was something that stuck out in my mind. Just like you know, I'd never seen environments that were just so atmospheric like that. Probably, probably ever. Even even now, like I still think something like either Silent Hill Two or Silent Hill Three just has an art direction to it that is kind of unmatched with anything else in horror. And it doesn't even try to do anything that complicated, but there's still a lot of ideas in there that I think the biggest tragedy is that after Silent Hill 3, the series went into its downward spiral and it never really uh, capitalized on these ideas that it had in place as to you know, how, what is horrifying about it. Would you, you say that like it went downhill from there? Oh yeah, it went down all the way down the hill. Yeah, downhill. Thanks, Evan. Yeah, um, that's what I'm here for. Yeah. So, you know, with the uh with Silent Hills, you know, with the involvement of Kojima and uh what was his name? Gilmer del-, del Toro, right? Yeah, yeah. Those are those are big names and I part of me would have been kind of concerned that they would have tried to make like a flashy mainstream Hollywood kind of Silent Hill, which has been done time and time again and hasn't really worked all that well. Um, I would I definitely would have wanted uh, a return to the sort of like the quieter, isolated feel of the uh, first Silent Hill games. But I do think that Silent Hill as a franchise just definitely needed that punch in the arm to get back on its feet. So if that's what it would have taken to you know get the sort of Silent Hill that I want, then I would have definitely been for it. As to whether they are going to collaborate again... Um, Because I I think I heard something like, you know, they're still open to a collaboration. And now that Kojima's broken free from the grips of Konami and he's got his own studio, he's still clearly friends with Del Toro. You know, no sort of uh, drama with Konami would stop that. I think if they went back and they try to do a horror game, probably wouldn't be Silent Hill. So Mm. I think it's still the fate of that franchise is very much up in the air, especially with Konami's... uh, their intentions going all in on these pachinko games and right. things that aren't really <laughs> real video games. Oh boy, let's um, not get into that conversation. Yeah, real uh, games. Yeah, I, real games. Well, it's definitely not pachinko. Let me let me draw the line there. I'll definitely go as far <laughs> as to say that pachinko is not a real game. Um, but yeah, like who knows if we'll ever see any... Like, I don't know if I'll ever see anything else like Silent Hill, but at least we've, I've got those first three games just to you know like go back to and study at like you know the ideas that they did and why it worked so well all right i don't have much to say about that i've never played a silent hill game so we have some uh twitter questions too so alex osborne asks uh he's got three questions so i guess i'll just read all of them we don't have very many questions this episode uh do you think nintendo will release the nx as early as this year have you been reading up on the nx at all david uh sort of barely like i i hardly even knew that the wii u had come out <laughs> oh boy yeah I've, I've been barely keeping up with it i i did a little bit of extra reading because i was like hey wait a sec i should probably be paying more attention to this uh because i don't i don't have a wii u so it's like you know i've fallen a little bit behind on nintendo console news um but yeah the the nx is basically uh there's been talk of it of nintendo merging their handheld and uh and console divisions from an engineering perspective, which doesn't necessarily mean that the NX will be one console, but it seems to be pointing that way. 
I have a feeling that they're not going to completely merge it. Some people are talking about like it will be one thing that will maybe have like, you know, a a home console and a, a portable component to it. Uh, I think a potentially interesting thing that they might try to do, uh, this is something I would be interested in, is like selling both, but having them technically be part of the same things. So you could buy like a bundle of the console and the handheld, or you could just buy the console or just buy the handheld. I don't know if that would make sense business-wise for them, but it might be kind of interesting. Like hardcore people would buy both and then, you know, people falling on one side or the other would have the option of something cheaper, but they would, you know... Like just to buy half of it, buy it, that still yeah. gives you kind of 100% of a certain experience, whatever you want, right? Like whether it's a console yeah. or a handheld. Yeah, exactly. So that might be interesting. And then like the fact that they've merged the engineering maybe means that the the interplay between the console and the portable one is easier, Right. Because part of the reason they wanted it is they wanted to be able to move their assets and their code kind of back and forth so it runs on the same platform, similar to iOS and Android. Yeah, you know, it would be such a smart idea. And considering that at this point, there's not a whole lot of gap in technology between what you can do on a portable and what you can do on a console as far as like how much how much power do you need? Like Nintendo's always been very conservative of just how strong that they make their consoles in terms of... uh, I think they're trying to, they have talked about trying to make NX run on more competitive hardware compared to like the Wii U being a little bit behind. Yeah, but like even then, like they're, I think their portable is always just going to be the uh, the centerpiece as far as like, you know, this is the thing that's easiest to get into people's hands and pretty much will decide what they want to do on a console as well. Honestly, like I think that they would goof it up somehow because the Wii U should have been, you know, that uh, sort of balance between what's right. a portable and what's a console. Like I, when that came out, when it came out, like I didn't even know that it came out. After I figured out that it came out, I still didn't understand what it was. I didn't know if it was a box that I put in my living room. I didn't know if this was just a thing that I held in my hands and transmitted images it's, onto my TV. It was a little or... confusing, and I don't really think I have yet to see a game that really seemed to make good use of the gamepad. It seems like just a botched opportunity. That, there's that too. You know, you don't really have strong third-party support for these sort of things because Nintendo understands their hardware so much better than everybody else because it, I mean, they made it. I, uh, I think, though, in terms of third-party support, again, like taking a more iOS-style model might work because Apple gets a lot of third-party support with like developers making stuff for you know different sizes of or devices right making stuff for ios and uh, in general and making it like work on iphone and ipad right and part of that is like the ease of development you don't have to do a whole bunch of ipad specific stuff to get it onto an ipad right and meanwhile development on nintendo consoles has been traditionally just this battle between <laughs> nintendo and just trying to figure out like okay how do i actually do anything with these things Right, but I guess I, I think it might maybe make it a little easier if a developer can make a game that you know maybe can run on both or some component of it can run on both and they don't have to kind of switch architectures between like a 3DS and a Wii U. They just write for the, mm-hmm. the NX, right? From a developer's perspective, that seems like that would be pretty helpful. It you would be ideal. A lot but... of, you could port a lot of your yeah. code over. Like maybe uh, theoretically, let's say there's two consoles running on, like it's two whole different consoles and not even one merged console but that it's running on the same like uh underlying framework uh if i were a developer i could write most of my game code probably in 
like, you know, for that one architecture. And then maybe I would just have to modify like how it deals with some memory management because maybe there's less memory on the portable version and how it like maybe, you know, it needs to kind of reduce the graphical fidelity. So like realistically, a lot of the the actual underlying game code could probably stay about the same, like the gameplay code. And that's probably super useful for developers, right? You get like two games for the price yeah. of one. But it's still going to be on Nintendo just to make it easy to get yeah. <laughs> things on their marketplace. I mean, they're still making the game as one thing and then actually going out to sell it and then getting it through just all those filters that Nintendo's put in place that kind of have traditionally obstructed making it easy for any sort of indie developer to get anything on the on the on a Nintendo console. Yeah. All right. Another question from Alex. Uh, oh, you know, his other his second question is basically what we answered. It's like, what form do you think it'll take handheld home console hybrid? Kind of talked about that. Uh, last question is also from Alex. Not sure if you're planning to do a most anticipated feature, but I'd love to hear what games you're excited for in 2016. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you have anything? Uh, Evan, you want to take this first? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I actually like made a little bit of a list because I had to kind of remind myself what was coming out in 2016. Uh, no Man's Sky apparently comes out in June. I was not keeping up on the exact date. No Man's Sky is like, I'm really, really looking forward to that. Uh, I don't know if they'll, they'll, they might push it back again, but that's like the space exploration game, sort of like uh, a mix of... I, I don't know, it's like Minecraft in space meets uh, Journey is the the best way that I've seen it described. Like Journey, you're basically, you have this world where I think you have kind of passive ways of interacting with other players, but it's still sort of a single persistent world that every player is in. So it's like this whole universe, you're, you're traveling around and you can find, I think, like settlements that other players have created, but you don't actually like meet those players you never you know fight them directly or anything um but these the the goal is i think just this sense that you're in a shared universe that you're all kind of exploring together um and it's got a super cool psychedelic color scheme it's not going for hyper realism which is kind of cool uh i'm sure you're probably looking forward to fire emblem fates yeah i was thinking like i was really just reaching around in my mind like oh what possible video game software am i gonna look forward to like what could i even remotely look forward to um but yeah fire emblem the problem with fire emblem is that it's just so dangerous you, f you fall into a very deep hole whenever you start fire emblem i'm, I'm not even done with awakening yet <laughs> i got so deep in like grinding and trying to you know max out all my characters that i never even got around to finishing the, the like final chapters of that game yeah you know i mean and that's a, that's the thing that's kind of been mashed together with the Shin Megami Tensei, isn't it? Or is that a different uh, Fire Emblem game? Because there's oh, the one that no, would do, that, do the crossover. The crossover is a different game. I'm not, uh, I'm not okay, playing yeah, that because I, I don't care about Shin Megami Tensei. Exactly, exactly. So I'll probably miss the crossover, but if it's like just a real Fire Emblem game. It is, but it's oh, going to... No, is this, is this the one that they split into two games? Yep. Oh, god damn three. it. Three. There's three oh. campaigns. <laughs> 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 that's right but the oh, true fans get the like 70 dollars version or something well you know what that's the only game i'll need to look forward to <laughs> in 2016 that's the only game you can afford looking forward to in 2016 as far as a time investment yeah i mean i guess there are some visual novels that have been 
in translation and editing forever that are actually going to come out this year. But then if you've got a Fire Emblem game coming out, I'll probably just, yeah, I'll probably just play that. Yeah. All right. So my other one, third game on this list is Mirror's Edge 2 is coming out in 2016. So looking forward to that. Hopefully they fix the issues with Mirror's Edge because everybody remembers that game fondly, but it was not perfect. That was a very mm, for flawed, like one or two reasons. <laughs> yeah, that was a very flawed, but really really cool game that I want to see like a better version of. And it's like it sucks because there was just really one thing that was wrong with it. Yeah, the like, combat one thing was, that was really, really bad. Yeah, really bad. It was it. It would have been fine if the combat were like not super fun, but the game didn't mm. kind of keep throwing you into it. <laughs> I love that trailer that they did for Mirror's Edge 2, though, where it's like, here's the thing that people absolutely hated from the first game, and it shows up in, like, the first five or ten seconds <laughs> of the trailer, where, like, you're disarming a guy who's got a gun or something like that, and it's like, uh, you guys clearly didn't understand what people didn't want to see in Mirror's Edge 2. Well, I mean, I'd like but to see them who knows? fix that, right? It's just... I like to see them just not do it. I think the disarming <laughs> makes sense. That? At some point, you do have to like disarm somebody, right? If you're this courier running around being chased by men with guns, but they, they why really... do you have to be chased by guns? Because it's why the bad it... guy. Because if somebody's trying to kill story? you, they're gonna have guns. <laughs> <laughs> guns are what <sighs> you use if you want to shoot a person running away from you on a building. What else are you gonna use? Why? What are you gonna shoot? Why do at her? guns have to exist? Yeah, I, I mean. That's a whole different question we're getting into here, David. You want to get political. But I think that there are some members of a certain consumer movement who would invoke the video game Second Amendment to prove there, their, right, their right to bear arms inside of virtual worlds. <sighs> you learn something new every day. I think some. I think a new question came in while we were answering this one. Ooh. But I can't seem to look at you live. Get out of here. Where's come on Twitter. It's a question on Twitter. I think it's from at sign Walkman store. Oh, that's Isaac Valdez who asked us another question. I'm pretty sure you guys are out on wrestling. But what do you think of their games? I'm not totally clear on what that question means. I think he's asking about like, do we like wrestling video games? No. Well, I'm, I'm not I'm not in wrestling. So I'm clearly out. But uh, I do have some fond memories of those N64 wrestling games. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if I could really make a lot of content based on my memories of something that I haven't played in like over 10 years. But those were neat. <laughs> those were neat. That's our quote. Those we're were neat. With it. They, they were very strongly designed, actually. Just because they're... They were fighting games, sort of, but they're wrestling, and they were on the N64, which just had such a limited library as far as fighting went. Mm. It was just, it was really unique, because it had embraced all those party... The the N64 did party games very well. A lot better than the PS1. Mm -hmm. Like, you'll agree to that, right? Yeah, I think so. So, you know... Like I'm going. I'm like really reaching deep into the uh, into history right now. But as far as wrestling goes, like, I mean, I guess I guess that's okay. You know, I'm I'm gonna have the the uh, the memories of N64 wrestling games. Those are cool. That's what we got. Good content. David. That's what we got. Good ass content. <laughs> yeah, we pulled through. Anyway, 
that I think will be it for us in this, the 54th episode of the Gamers podcast. If you want to ask us questions, you can email us at podcast at antigamers.com. And I try to ask for questions on Twitter before we record. So you can find us on Twitter uh, at at sign Vamptvo, V-A-M-P-T-V-O. And at sign Gamers. How do you spell oh, that? I did forget about that one. A-N-I Gamers. No, no hyphen in there? Uh, not in the Twitter name. Gamers. But it's in, it's Annie in Gamer the Gate. website name. It's capital A Annie hyphen capital yeah, G Yeah, but there's gamers. no hyphens in Twitter names. Dot com. Deal with it. <laughs> it's not in the URL. The URL is in there's Annie no consistency in your narrative, Evan. Hyphens are bad for SEO. That's not true. They're just bad for people remembering. Okay. And there's also David's on, at, he's at sign QX20XX, whatever. He doesn't tweet on there. It's Hit private. me up. Well, no, it's not private anymore. Oh, really? But you don't tweet? Yeah, really. I don't okay. tweet. <laughs> anyway, you can find more information about the podcast on antigamers.com slash podcast, and that will give you all the show notes and old episodes. You can go check that out. You can check us out on iTunes. Please leave us a review. Uh, we have like seven reviews. The last time somebody left one was a while ago when we weren't putting episodes out. So leave one now if you like the new stuff that we're doing. And, and you know, that would like help us know whether it's actually a good idea. <laughs> Also, read some stuff on AnnieGamers.com. That is our anime, manga, and video game blog, and yes. also this podcast. And uh, yeah, I just did a redesign of that. So it's looking, I think it's looking all right. I don't know about Looks what you think neat. of it, David. It's yeah. real cool. And I'll, you know, probably add some more stuff to it as time goes on. But for now, we got a cool new redesign. So hopefully that makes things a little bit easier to read and take some annoying distractions out of that interface that we had before. I am also writing for Otaku USA magazine. I'm currently writing a review of Eden of the East of the entire franchise. Uh, so I just watched through the whole thing, unfortunately. Unfortunately. That's a, that's a show with some issues <laughs> that is otherwise cool. And I'm also about to start watching and writing a feature on Glitter Force on Netflix. Oh, the Pretty Cure. The Americanized Pretty you, Cure. <laughs> drew the short end of the stick. It's going to be interesting. I, I have heard lots of people talking about it, but I haven't watched it yet. So I'm going to watch that and then write about a franchise that has lots of rabid fans, but I know very little about. I watched two episodes of Futari while Pretty Cure, and that's it. That's my, <laughs> the extent of my experience with Pretty Cure. Anyway, I'm also one half of the Crunchy cast, the Crunchyroll's official podcast, crunchyroll.libsyn.com. You can go there and listen to me and Victoria, aka Sailor B, talk about anime and manga. Kind of like this podcast, but with uh, fewer games and uh, considerably less cynicism. Way more Victoria. <laughs> uh, uh, not 100%, uh, infinity percent like, more Victoria. Like an incalculable amount incalculable of Victoria. amount more Victoria. Anyway, thanks for listening, guys. We'll be back probably in about two weeks. Hopefully. Maybe. Peace out. Later. So we kind of, uh, I say we, I forgot to mention the contest that we have going on right now. David, tell the good people about the contest. So I have a spare copy of uh, the Kizumanagatari novel that I'd like to give away to one lucky listener. And what are the rules? The rules are you'll send an email to the Gamers podcast email, which is podcast at com.
Thank you, Evan. Uh, in your email, you will state who is the best Monogatari girl and why. And I will select from whatever emails I get and whoever is the closest to the actual best Monogatari girl, or if they even answer it correctly, they will win the Kizu Monogatari novel. Also, yeah, you have to say why, right? Because some two people might answer the same one, and then you got to pick like the best justification for yeah. it. Yeah, so the why is just that uh, additional push. You know, if I like right. your answer, then I'm going to choose you. All right. So we've got two entries so far, and we're going to hold out for one more episode, see if we get some more people. You have a pretty good chance of winning. You're only competing against two people right now. <laughs> <laughs> Give it a shot. I wouldn't be able to answer this because I don't know anything about Monogatari, but hopefully some of you guys do. <laughs>